For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Let's go down to Australia because we've talked enough about America lately. Uh, our buddy Pavel Frazer is back on the program. We're going to talk a little gas prices with him. My friend, how are things down under? Uh, they're good. Uh, we just had an election, which may or may not change things, uh, but fuel prices are as high as ever. Yeah. Uh, talk about that for a second because I know America, we, we have rightly been accused of being a little myopic. We kind of think a lot about ourselves and not a lot about the rest of the world. Uh, but the rest of the world is also having the same fuel uh, high prices that we have. Now, normally most of the world, especially uh, Britain, uh, especially Europe, I lived in Germany for years, fuel was always three times higher there than it was in the state. It's not unusual for overseas to have higher fuel prices than us with the exception of the Middle East. What's it normally like in Australia? Is this really abnormal? Just give people some background on what fuel prices day to day are like in Australia. Yeah. Um, so traditionally before COVID, uh, fuel prices probably would sit around anywhere from like $1.25 to $1.40, maybe $1.50, you know, for premium fuel. Um, and if you live in a rural area, um, so that, that, that's, you know, pretty much anything since 2010. Before 2010, uh, the early 2000s, you know, would, would have fuel for a dollar a litre. Um, currently, though, uh, fuel prices are uh, about $2, $2.20 a litre in some places. Um, they were, you know, about just as high um, a couple of months ago when we had even higher taxes on fuel. Um, so it's definitely unusual in Australia. Now, your government did something that our government has hinted at, except our folks kind of started decrying it right off the bat, and they dropped it because we're in election year, and they don't want to do anything too controversial. Uh, they started fiddling around with gas taxes. Uh, let folks know, how does the gas tax work, work in Australia? Here in America, that's usually money for things like infrastructure and stuff. It becomes kind of a slush fund for infrastructure projects, that sort of thing. How's the gas tax work there, and what was the proposal to half it and the effect there? Yeah, so, um, well, I guess we raise fuel taxes for the same reasons. They're meant to be spent on infrastructure and roads and things like that. Um, obviously, not always is, is that money spent on roads and infrastructure. Um, it's quite a difference between what's raised and what's spent. But uh, the way we raise our fuel, fuel taxes normally is uh, it's raised per litre per and not on the actual value of the fuel. So at the moment, well, before they cut the taxes, it was uh, 44 cents um, per litre and it would go up with CPI, so inflation. Uh, every year um, they would revise the number and that um, fuel tax would go up. 
Um, and then there are a whole bunch of other taxes, including GST that we pay on top of um, fuel tax sometimes. And then truckers um, will also have to pay an additional road charge um, on their fuel uh, because of the extra damage they do to the roads. Uh, but that's pretty much how it works in Australia. Now, um, the problem here, and you are writing in Spectator Australia version, we have, of course, an England and American versions of Spectator. You wrote, though, that pro part of the problem here is when you start fiddling with the gas taxes, especially halving it, you know, a real big number swing. What you're really doing is, aside from a tax cut, it starts manipulating the markets because we all understand, and we've been talking about it a lot the last couple of years, gas prices are a lagging indicator. Those things, you know, what's happening with the gas pump, that stuff from six months, 18 months ago, a year ago, that shows up at the pump. So what you're really doing is artificially uh, messing around with the market, and that's where you get the adverse effects. Yeah, so the most disproportionate, well, the most um, damaging thing, I guess, to the fuel prices is, is just the way that the taxes are raised. So they're not, they're not proportional. It's not 10 or 20 or 30, 40% on the actual value of the fuel, but it's a, a fixed uh, tax. No matter how, mu how much um, the, the price of oil is actually worth, um, you know, you must pay a minimum of 44 cents per litre on that fuel. So during lockdown, fuel, pro uh, fuel prices crashed um, as uh, oil dropped. Um, we got to about 90 cents a litre, which is, you know, hasn't been done for 15 years. Um, but it could have dropped a whole lot lower if we had a proportional tax um, that was, you know, a proportion to the value of the actual product but by having a um a levy that's you know fixed to the fixed per liter um it acts as a price floor it, it, which manipulates the market yeah pavel fitzner a friend down in australia joining us uh things don't happen in a vacuum they happen in a sequence you just mentioned it uh australia had some really strict lockdowns especially on the east coast sydney those areas uh we talked to some of our aussie friends they were like yeah we can't even go to the market without getting hassled what part of that effect has it because people are coming off of very severe lockdowns. They were controversial lockdowns. Now you got soaring fuel prices. I would say the cultural response to these, we're talking about it on a policy level. I got to imagine these things become cumulative with people getting frustrated. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of frustration with the lockdowns. There was protests um, and they got, you know, harassed by the police and tracked down and basically every one of them, People in the protests, um, you know, got traced and fined, things like that. Um, you know, there the, the definitely has been pushback, but not as much as I would have expected, um, especially we just had our um, election, um, changed our prime minister. Now, there was a whole bunch of minor parties that were running on an um, anti-mandatory vax campaign or, a, you know, anti-lockdown campaign, you know, never again. And um, they spent millions of dollars and they really didn't do as well as I thought. Um, but both of the major parties had swings against them, but, um, you know, they, they went to uh, minor leftist parties instead. Now, the Aussie electorate tends to be, um, I don't mean this politically, I just mean temperamentally, they tend to be pretty moderate. You don't have really huge electoral changes per se. Things kind of come and go in waves. Uh, how much of this change politically, though, was, you know, the Scott Morrison government, they've been in power for a while. The conservatives have been in power for a while. I, I got to imagine you're talking about why the, the, the parties of the moment, for lack of a better term, or the anti-government parties, they probably just, they didn't do as well as people thought. Was a lot of the government changeover just kind of some inertia and fatigue, and then this was just the last little bit to push change? Is that more accurate than people actually just putting, 
getting trapped in the moment and going, oh, that's what did it? Uh, well, there was a whole bunch of blunders by the uh, by Scott Morrison and the Liberal Party before COVID. Um, you know, there was things with the bushfires um, and also during COVID, the, the actual um, vaccination um, rollout was stuffed up. Um, but Scott Morrison is a pretty unlikable person. Um, doesn't really lack the charm. Uh, doesn't really have the charm that it needs to be a, a good leader. So you know he made all these mistakes. You know before COVID, um, and you know which turned a lot of people away from him. But he, you know he kind of gained that respect back. Um, but then COVID happened, and realistically, between the two major parties, there really wouldn't have been much of a difference um, between you know, how they would have handled COVID. There could have been things done better, of course, um, by the Liberals and by uh, Scott Morrison. But, uh, you know, it's kind of, he, he ruined himself, really. Uh, there's not so much a pushback against him. It's just he kind of, he dug his own hole um, and deserved the loss. Um, Pavel's joining us. I, I laughed when you said that, but uh generally speaking for for an american audience that doesn't keep up with aussie politics is it as personality driven as it is here is it a big deal that your uh politicians especially at the prime minister level at the legislative level in the parliament do do they need to be charismatic does personality matter or are they usually more concerned with the actual governance um i'd say it's becoming more personality focused i guess that's a little bit of influence we're getting from america traditionally maybe not so um i i guess a large part of the australian public is just really apathetic to politics and policies they don't care what the policies are they don't know what the policies are um so they choose whoever um sounds best in the media um or whoever cops the least heat in the media so it's a really unfortunate system. Um, we also have mandatory voting. So there's just so many people who just did not want to vote, did not know who to vote for, but they get forced to vote. Um, and so, you know, they either vote for joke parties, minor parties, or, you know, spoil their ballot or just vote for the opposition because that's, you know, better than what we have now, I guess. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. See, this is fascinating. Pavel's joining us from Australia. 
because people here in America sometimes talk about mandatory voting, but you, you know, you're there, you guys experience, is it your experience that the mandatory voting actually adds to the apathy as opposed to maybe doing away with it, which is the argument of like, well, if everybody votes, there'll be more participation. You can't legislate people's hearts and minds, can you? Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I, I, well, I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I think it does add to the um, apathy. I, I just know so many people who they, they admit themselves that, look, you know, I don't think people like me should vote. Um, I'm not interested in it. Why, you know, am, am I going there to vote for a party that I have no idea what, what they stand for? Um, you, you would think that by making voting mandatory, you know, we would encourage the public to follow politics and understand it, but that's really not the case. Just so few people in Australia actually care. Um, so, you know, maybe it is better off leaving it to people who truly do want to vote. How much of that is a cultural thing? Because the stereotype of the Australian to the wider world is it's a lot more laid back than other parts of the country. Uh, you enjoy yourself. You like to have a good time. There's you know plenty of outdoors stuff. That's the stereotype. Does that play out in the politics when you're talking about the apathy, though? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. That's um, I guess the Australian public, uh, you know, she'll be right, mate. That's what they say. Um, they just want to just want to relax as long as you know, no one messes with them directly they really don't care what happens so you know that that um laid-back personality is a double-edged sword you know of course it, you know we live generally stress-free lives and have a lot of fun um but you know when it comes to politics um it can hurt us because you know we don't we're not actually paying attention and then you know might elect a party that uh, doesn't have your best interests at heart yeah Pavel's joining us from Australia, in case you couldn't tell by the accent. Uh, since we're on the topic, one of those things that has started to creep up in the Australian public and their politics specifically has really had to start paying attention to is, uh, even though you're an island nation and an island continent, uh, no nation's really an island in this global economy, there's real issues going on globally that are really sucking Australia in. Obviously, China is a huge one with trade. Um, Australia's uh, what we call the Quad Agreement of Allies. That's becoming a thing. India is a major thing that's starting to affect Australia. Uh, Australia seems to be getting more and more pulled into world events, whether they really like it or not. Does it feel that way there as well? Um, well, definitely. I, I think um, half of the reason is that we actually want to be um, in these events. Um, you know, I think typically the Australian government wants to um, promote ourselves on the world stage. We, we do punch above our weight. Uh, we definitely want to be a leader in the Asia Pacific, um, particularly as the only balance uh, uh, I'd imagine against China. Um, so we kind of represent um, Western democracy in the Asia Pacific. And, um, you know, some argue, you know, that we need to be more involved. Some argue that we should be less involved. Um, but, it, you know, it is good having us here and as an alternative um, ally uh, to China for some of these, um, you know, Pacific Islander nations. Yeah. And uh, just full disclosure, uh, I flew out of Iraq on an Aussie 130 on emergency leave. So I've always appreciated our Aussie buddies for giving me a lift when I really, really needed one out of Baghdad back in the day. So they, they've been good allies for a long, long time. Uh, let, let's double back to your piece for just a second and go back to domestic Australia to finish this up. Uh, you talked about it. You just mentioned it. Australia is a huge country with a relatively smaller population. One of the side items on this fuel price thing is because it's so big and it's so vast, America kind of has the same problem. 
the infrastructure is a little different. It's coastal heavy. It's population center heavy. Uh, is there something long-term with these gas prices and things where they're going to start looking at infrastructure in Australia and be like, we may need to have a better plan for the century in the modern age we live in? Yeah, um, Australia, I guess, ever since World War II has been pretty poor on infrastructure. Um, unfortunately, you know, we had bigger, bolder plans um, earlier in the 20th uh, century. Uh, there is a plan for high-speed rail connecting a few regional towns and going from uh, Sydney to Melbourne. These things get floated all the time. But in reality, you know, nothing really gets done. Um, we, we take a huge amount of immigrants every year, 300,000 um, is what they're proposing. I think it's, it sits around 250,000 normally. And that's basically the size of our capital city every year. Now, these people don't go to small regional towns. They usually end up in, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, along the coast. And there's absolutely no plan to develop um, these regions or have the infrastructure support, support these um, huge populations. We've got, you know, 95% of our population on this very small area along the coast. And it's just unsustainable. We, we need to have a plan um, to promote more people living in regional areas and spreading out our population because we just can't have, you know, a city like Sydney just growing to six, seven million while there are towns out there, um, you know, shrinking and dying. Yeah. Universal problem, just the Aussie version of it. Uh, to wrap this up, you ended your piece on this uh, obviously, fuel prices play into other political and cultural things like cost of living. Like you just said, you know, immigration is an issue in Australia, even though you have very strict immigration laws, it's still a factor because of your smaller population. You say this gas thing's got about a six month window before it's got to be reviewed. Um, where do you think cost of living is going to be in six months? Is it still going to be a major issue? Do you think they do something different here? Just kind of project a little bit where you think you're going because, you know, we're looking six months ahead here in the States because we're going to be having our election right about there. So everybody's wondering what the economy is going to be doing. Where are y'all going to be in about six months when this policy comes up for review? Yeah, so our inflation probably isn't as bad as America right now. So we're sitting at a uh, about 6% inflation expected by the end of the year. Um, but, you know, the cost of living is rising and there, there's been a lot of discussion and debate during the election um, that centred around cost of living. Um, I guess it's probably the core issue for most people other than climate change. Um, it would make sense that the government would keep the fuel taxes low um, if, if the price of oil and fuel is still high, affected by the war in Ukraine. Um, but as we know, this, this is, we've just elected a Labor government um, you know, who are, I guess, the Democrats of Australia. And typically, they're not fond of tax cuts. So we're not too sure whether they'll keep it. Um, I don't even think the Liberals would have kept it if they remained in power. Um, so, you know, either way, we're not we're not really getting a, a good result. Pavel Fitzner, uh, second time on the show, there will be a third, we'd love to have you back again. Uh, appreciate the insight. He's a student, he studies law, and obviously policy, really sharp guy. Always enjoy talking to our Aussie friends, my friend. Thank you for the time today, especially with the time difference. Go get yourself some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Great to be on. Good seeing you again, my friend. Thank you.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.